as you're turning back to your seats, I encourage you to take your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. This evening we're going to look at the keys to strength and courage. The keys to strength and courage. We'll be looking at the first nine verses of Joshua chapter 1. You find your place in your Bible. Will you stand with me out of respect for the reading of the Word of God? Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse number 1, the Bible says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that I have given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and to this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life, as I was with Moses. So I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance in the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it, to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray as we come to the time of preaching, Lord, that you be lifted up and I be, Lord, I be be abased, Lord, that I, I retreat to the background. Lord, I pray that you be glorified and you be lifted up. Your words be spoken and not mine. Lord, I pray you give us ears to hear and Lord, give us hearts to obey. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. So one summer morning, there had been a lot of rain. And a man named Ray Blankenship got up and went to his kitchen to start cooking breakfast. He looked out his window and he saw the rushing waters going down the the, the ditch next to the road. And as he he stood there and looked for a second, he stood there and, and really just froze for a moment in disbelief as he saw the daughter of his neighbor, young girl, just being swept away in the water. Without, really, just a moment later, he, he, he sprung into action. He ran out of the house. He jumped into the, the, the rushing water, and he grabbed her. And as he grabbed her, now they're both being swept away, and he's grabbing for anything he, he possibly can. And so as they're going down, they're being swept away. He, he, he gets his hand on a rock, 
And he's just thinking, as long as I can hold, if I can hold on to this until rescuers come, I'll be fine. I just, I just have to hold on. But he really did more than that. By the time the rescuers got there, he had actually gotten himself and the young girl out. And so he saved the young girl's life. On April 12th, 1989, Ray Blankenship was awarded the Coast Guard Silver Life Saving Medal. You think, man, that guy, that guy, that, 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 there's some courage to that guy, right? How much more courage would you think that the man had if he found out that the man didn't know how to swim? They, he jumped in the water anyway. Courage is a needful thing. Strength and courage is needed in the church. It's needed in every Christian's life. Strength and courage can be summed up well as the ability to move forward even in the face of immense pain, grief, trial, or tribulation. Listen, it's something that's missing from our society. You think about today, I was talking to, to someone uh, recently who started baking at Dunkin' Donuts. I won't say their name, um, <laughs> Pastor Lewis. <laughs> if you didn't know, he's, the, the, he's baking donuts at Dunkin' Donuts now. But I was talking to him, and, and, and he, was, he was just telling me that the businesses can't keep employees because as soon as the job gets hard, the employees just quit. You know, the saying goes, uh, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. But today, let's ch- we really, for our society, should change the saying to, when the going gets tough, quit. Listen, we're, I think the reason is because we're growing up in a world that doesn't require courage. Children are raised today without having to face any trial and urge any tribulation. They're, not, they're growing up and just getting to play and play and play and play. And then we're wondering why when it comes to their first job and they have to get up at 3 a.m. to make donuts, why they quit after, after a couple days. Why they quit when it just gets tough. There's a person named Sebastian Junger. He's not a Christian, but he wrote this. Uh, I'd grown up in a Boston suburb where people's homes were set up behind the hedges that were protected by huge yards and neighborhoods, and neighbors hardly knew each other. They didn't need to. Nothing ever happened in my town that required anything close to a collective effort. Anything bad that happened was taken care of by the police or the fire department, or at the very least, the town maintenance crews. I worked for them one summer and remember shoveling a little too hard one day and the foreman telling me to slow down because, as he said, some of us have to get through a lifetime of this. The sheer predictability of, the, of life in, America, of the, in the America, American suburb, suburb left me hoping somewhat irresponsibly for a hurricane or a tornado or something that would require us all to have to band together to survive, something that would make us feel like a tribe. What I wanted wasn't destruction and mayhem, but the opposite, solidarity. I wanted the chance to prove my worth to my community and my peers. But I lived in a time and place where nothing dangerous ever really happened. Surely this was new in the human experience, I thought. How do you become an adult in a society that doesn't ask for sacrifice? How do you become a man in a world that doesn't require courage? 
Church, as Christians, if we're going to stand up in a world and we're going to continue to serve the Lord in a world that is increasingly hostile to Christianity, church, we need strength and courage. We need to be strong and very courageous. And looking at this passage where we see Joshua uh, taking on the mantle that, that, that was left by Moses and really going forward with that, we see someone who needed strength and courage. And so we're going to look at this evening really what I would just like to call the, the keys to strength and courage. The keys to strength and courage. Number one, we're looking at this passage. The first thing that we see in this passage is the circumstance. We see the circumstance. Let's look at this again. Joshua 1, verses 1 through 6. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto a land which I do give to them, even... To the children of Israel, every place, place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness uh, in this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life, as I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee, neither, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide the inheritance in the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Listen, when we look at this passage, we see that God gave Joshua a job to do. God gave Joshua a job to do. Can I tell you, God did not give any of us the job that he gave to Joshua, none of us, and we can all say, praise the Lord, are responsible for taking the Israelites over the Jordan into the promised land. Amen. Hallelujah. But, listen, we each have to realize that we all have a job to do. We all have a purpose. I worked at Steak and Shake through college. I don't recommend it. That's why I never eat there ever, um, and I don't ever recommend eating there, though somehow, some way, it's my wife's like, favorite place. She's never worked there. It's obvious. <laughs> but I worked, and I would work the grill. I could work the line. I could work shakes. I would work drive through I, I just worked all those, every place you could possibly work at a steak and shake, server, all of those things. So they apparently don't have servers anymore. I haven't been there, um, and I won't go there, but who cares? Um, <laughs> But listen, each day when I went in there, I would be assigned a job. I would be assigned a position. One day I might work on the line where I assemble the burger. One day I might work on the grill where I cook the burger. One day I might work on the drive-thru where I hand the burgers out the window. One day I might work on the shakes where I freeze my hands off. Okay, I, I, I could work a lot of different positions, but here's the thing. If I was assigned the grill, you know what I had to do? I had to stay on the grill. I had to cook the burgers. You know what would happen? What would happen if I'm assigned to the grill, I'm supposed to cook the grill, but I go over and start putting the burgers together? What would happen eventually if the person who's cooking the burgers isn't cooking the burgers? We're not going to have burgers to put the burgers together. It's not going to work. And listen, each one of us 
if you're here and you're breathing tonight, you have a job to do. And if you're not doing the job that God has called you to do, you know what? It's not going to work the way it should. We all need to step up. We all need to contribute. We all need to do the job that God has called us to do. Listen, you might think your job not that special. You know, God called me. I know clear, clear as day that God called me to clean the toilets at the church. Well, clean them, clean them well, and then you're going to get brownies in heaven for it. Amen? Listen, you do what God's will is for you on this earth, even if you think it's small. There's reward in heaven. You be faithful. You be faithful to what God has called you to do. And Lord, let's, let's, let's understand that, like, again, God has called each of us to different things. Ephesians 4.1 says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation, the calling wherewith ye are called. Listen, we're all called to be Christians. We're all called to be obedient, but we also have specific things we're called to. We see this later on. Even Paul addresses this, uh, verse number 11 through 13, and he gave some apostles and some uh, prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of faith. Listen, we can have different jobs, but unity if we all had the same job, if we all just did the same thing, there might be unity, I guess, but we wouldn't really get everything done that we needed to. I'm glad we have people here who have vastly different talents. Listen, I'm glad that Lynette Weirich is here to really help really a lot with the music ministry because if I had to be in charge of it, someone who, yeah, I guess I can sing, but I can't read music, I can't play any instruments, the music ministry would suffer if I had to be in charge of it. But God has prepared someone else to do that. I'm glad that Dave is here. I'm going to just pick on you guys here over here, okay? Dave is here. Listen, if I had to be on the radio at 7 to 10 every morning, we'd have zero listeners. <laughs> because, again, no one would understand a single word I say. All right? But God has prepared Dave through many years of service, 25. This, this next week, I guess. But God has given him a talent. God has given him a job. His job is not my job. My job is not not his job. We're given separate jobs. And each one of us is given separate jobs. But those jobs come together to help the gospel and help the word of the Lord go forth. And you might not think your job big. You might not not, not think your job important. But listen, if God has given it to you, if that's that's the direction that God has given to you, it is important. It is important. But everyone has a job. And you look at Joshua's job. Man, Joshua, Joshua had some pretty big shoes to fill, didn't he? He followed Moses. Is anyone else here glad that you didn't follow Moses <laughs> and the job that you're doing now? You think about that. He had some amazing shoes. Listen, Moses was the greatest prophet in Israel's history. I mean, when they, they talk back about Moses, like he's the, Moses was, he's the big guy. He's the one they all refer back to. Like, God, like Moses gave us this, and Moses, and Moses, and Moses, and Moses. And Joshua had to follow this guy. It makes me think, like, I'm just glad that I wasn't in Pastor Holmes's position and had to follow Pastor Lewis, you know, Moses' brother. Uh, <laughs> sorry. We've got a good enough relationship. We do. But let's be honest. 
40, how many years? 40, 44, 44 years, 44 years. I'm glad I didn't have to follow that. And I think that God raised up the right man to be the pastor of this church to follow someone like Pastor Lewis. But at the same time, I imagine, you know, Pastor Holmes might not let it on, but he, he, I think he might have been a little nervous at times. A little fe- feeling un, 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 unequipped, ill-equipped maybe at times, especially, you know, when COVID hit. Listen, we all have a job to do, and sometimes, man, it just seems, it seems like everything just stacked against us, doesn't it? Think about how, again, Joshua must felt he's, he's, he's taking over for Moses, who's viewed at, who is probably even that time viewed as, you know, a great man, to do something that Moses failed at. You think about that. God's like, all right, Moses failed at this. Everyone just really is like, they're like, ooh, hey, hey, Moses. And now you're going to do what he couldn't. Whew. You ever, you ever wonder why in this passage that God says, be thou strong and very courageous three times? <sighs> Joshua has a difficult spot. He has a difficult spot. I mean, you, look at, you look at Numbers chapter 20. Let's look at verse 9 and then just verse 10. Verse 9 and verse 10. It says, and Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he had commanded him. And so Moses is told by God to go, speak to the rock, and then water's going to flow out. And in verse number 9, he picks up the rod and goes just as God calls him. Now let's look at verse number 10. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels. Must we fetch you the water out of this rock? And in verse number 11, and Moses lifted up his hand with his rod and smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly. And the congregation drank and their beasts also. And not, can, we, can we be honest? I'm glad that even when we fail, God still blesses sometimes. We see that right here. But at the same time, Moses, he messed up. And because of this right here, he wasn't able to take the children of Israel into the promised land. Well, we see in verse number 9, he's like, hey, okay, let's go. And then verse number 10 and 11, something happened between there. You know, I think if you read between the lines, you know what happened? The people. Because Moses had to travel from here to where he had to go for the people. And you know what I think the people did? They bittered and they complained and they complained and they bickered and they were just bitter and they were angry and they were thirsty and all these things. And I think by the time he got here, I think when he left here, he was ready. He was ready to go speak to the rock. He was ready to do what God told him to do. But by the time he got to where he was supposed to be, the people, they had made him angry. They made him angry. And I don't think that this was unknown to Joshua. Joshua was going to have to lead these people. Listen, it'd be very easy to, if we were in Joshua's shoes to say, <laughs> nope, I'm just going to sit right here. We're, we're good. Nope, not doing it. And at that point, Strength and courage, who cares? You don't need it. Listen, 
One of the keys to strength and courage is a circumstance that makes it necessary. You have to allow yourself to be used for things that you're not actually equipped for, maybe. That you don't think yourself able to do. Where God allows you to be stretched. Where God takes you out of your comfort zone. Listen, one of the keys to strength and courage is a circumstance that need requires it. The next we see in this passage, number one, we see the circumstance, but we also see the call. We see the call. First off, we see a call to obedience. Joshua 1, 7, only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to what? Some? All. The law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee, and turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. You look at the, the phrasing of this verse, how God said it. He said, that you may observe to do according to all the law. And then just to make sure it's clear enough, he said, and don't turn to the left and don't turn to the right. I think God makes it pretty clear that Joshua was supposed to follow God 100%. There was no room for, for wiggle room. There was no room for disobedience here. He was supposed to obey, period. One of the things, we, our, our kids recently went to camp, and so when you hear teens go to camp, and it brings back camp memories of your own if you've been to camp. And uh, preparing for this message, I, I remember back uh, a long time ago when I was at camp now, it's been many years now, um, but Matt Herbster was the camp director at the Wilds Christian Camp, and I, I'll never forget this illustration as long as I live, but he was with his kids out in the field one day, and he said, like, my kids, like, I'll tell them to come here. And normally I have to tell them like five or six times, come here, come here, come here. And every parent says, amen. All right. But he said, I was out in the field and, you know, down in North Carolina, they have snakes and some of those snakes be poisonous. And he was there, his, his child was like three or four at the time and his child was ahead of him. And he being taller, looked forward and he saw a snake And his son was going right for the snake. And he said, son, come. And the son immediately turned around and came back to his father. Listen, if the son didn't, there's a very good chance that son was going to be bit by that snake. That there wouldn't be a good ending to that story. But because the son was obedient, he was safe. Why? Because he followed the father's direction. And listen, if we follow the father's direction, even if it might be hard, it's still safe. Uh, I, th- I think this, this story has gone, been preached and been ta- told many times, but there was once someone who... God, he knew that God was calling him to be a missionary, but he was very afraid for his children. He had two, he had two children at the time, and so he was very afraid, of, afraid for them. He, he didn't want them to face the dangers of the mission field. And so he decided, I'm not going to go. And so the story 
goes, the account goes that they went camping one time and went up to a um, cabin and one of his children got underneath the cabin and got bit by baby rattlesnakes. And so he started screaming, started screaming. They got him out of there and he realized what happened. So they got in the car and just started flying, just as going in reverse at first, you know, going in reverse, started flying. And then they felt bump, bump. In a matter of minutes, both their children were dead. One by rattlesnake, one because they ran him over with the car. They didn't follow God's will because they were afraid of the dangers of the mission field. There's dangers all around. The safest place for us is in the middle of God's will. And I'm not saying that necessarily saying that. Listen, that's going to that's gonna make sure you're okay physically. No. Listen, in, in 500 billion years, who cares? No one's going to care whether or not they were okay physically. In 500 billion years, we're going we're gonna to be glad and happy when we look back and see when we were okay spiritually. We need to be obedient. Listen, obedience to the word of God is not an option for the believer. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, For we walk, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And listen, bringing into captivity every what? Every thought to the obedience of Christ. Listen, we are supposed to be obedient to God in our thoughts, not even just in our actions, but our thoughts, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. John 14, 15, Jesus Christ himself saying, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. Second John 1, 6, and this is love that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment as he, uh, that, he, that as he heard it from the beginning, that ye should what? Walk in it. James 1, 22, be ye doers of the word. In other words, what? Obedient and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. You know, too, too much in today's world, today's church, I think too many people are looking into the perfect law of liberty, seeing themselves, and then walking away and forgetting what manner of man they are. We need to be obedient. It's not an option. It's not an option. We see a call in this passage to obedience, but we also see a call to meditate. Really, you can say the mandate to meditation. Can I just say you can't be obedient to something that you are ignorant of? But ignorance is not an excuse. If you get arrested for something that you didn't realize was illegal, maybe the judge will have leniency, but you're still guilty. You're still guilty. Ignorance is not an excuse. I heard that way too many times growing up. But God here 
says to Joshua, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Again, our kids went to camp recently, and they went to camp and had a great time, and they made decisions. You ever wonder why kids go to camp, but they always make decisions at camp? Well, maybe because of the atmosphere, right? Talked about this, Jeremy talked about this in his message right after camp, right after camp during the testimony service. The atmosphere directs people to the Lord. Hmm, interesting. You ever, want, you ever wonder why then when they come back that most of the decisions that were made at camp are never kept? You ever think maybe that it's the atmosphere? Maybe what happens is they're at the camp and there's no distraction and so they have to focus on God. But when they come back, there's distractions all over. And the seed that was planted, it's choked away by the cares of this world. They get distracted and they completely forget about what God just did. Maybe, parents, we should take a page of the notebook from the camp and run our houses in a way that encourages focus on God rather than focus on the things of this world. Listen, if it wasn't for camp and the distractions being gone, I wouldn't be saved. Before I got saved, I, I, I was fighting the Lord and just fighting him and fighting him and fighting him. But once I went to camp that first time, all the distractions, all the, all the things that I was using to fight the Lord with, they were gone. I had nothing to hold on to. And so by Tuesday night, I surrendered. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. And I trusted him. It works at camp. It can work at home. Psalm 1, 1 through 4 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. What does it say about this person? He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Listen, if we run our houses in a way that just allows distraction after distraction after distraction after distraction after distraction, if I'm going to draw parallels, that seems like the man who walks in the counsel of the ungodly. That seems like the way, the man who stands in the way of sinners. And that seems kind of a little bit like the, the person who sits in the seat of the scornful a little bit. We allow the world to influence us and influence us and influence us and influence us and influence us. But you go on. I mean, you can almost say that two, two through three, they're kind of seem, seemingly talking about the atmosphere at camp. The atmosphere where we don't allow the distractions of this world. And parents, it's about time that the parents run the house. And not the kids. Kids, I'm sorry. You're not in charge. You're not in charge. However much you want to be, you're not in charge. Charlie, did you hear that? I love you, buddy. (laughs) 
listen, you'll get Joshua and his, his family. He was in charge. He's the one that said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Okay? Parents, let's take, let's, let's take control here. We have a call to be obedient. We have a call to meditate. We have a mandate to meditate. We need to fill. Listen, meditation is not where we clear our mind and go home, home. Okay, no. When you clear your mind, that's when you sit down in front of a TV and you're just watching TV. Your mind's very clear, okay? It's very not working. You're very not doing anything. No, meditation is, biblical meditation is when you fill your mind with the things of God. We need to meditate a lot on the things of God, a lot on Scripture. And church, I'm going to tell you that if we don't, when difficulty, when trial comes, listen, we will not strong, and we we will not be strong, and we will not be courageous. Listen, I don't prepare for the fight beforehand. When the fight comes, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to miraculously be, be ready. Okay? When you're preparing for a fight, when you're preparing for something, you spend time getting ready for it. When I was graduating high school and looking towards college, I was, you know, I signed up for the SATs. I was going to study for my SATs, but then I got the college, college acceptance letter before I took my SATs. So you know what I didn't care about anymore? My SATs. You know what I didn't study for? My SATs. Okay? Now, at that point, somehow, someway, I was still good at English. It's all gone away now. But I wasn't good at math, and I'm still not good at math. When I went there, I actually did pretty well at the English side, but you know what? I didn't miraculously get good at math. No, I scored in the bottom 10 percentile at math, mainly because halfway through I just gave up and put C for the entire thing because <laughs> I, I didn't know it. Okay, I didn't know it. And there was nothing that was going to miraculously get me ready for it. No, if I was going to do that, I had to prepare long before I got to the SATs in order to be ready for it. And because I didn't, I wasn't. And if we don't prepare our hearts and minds through the meditation and in obedience to God's word now, when the time comes where strength and courage is necessary, we're not going to be ready. We need to be obedient to the call. But can I leave you with a point of encouragement in all this? Number three, we have the covenant, the promise from God. In the promise of God, the first thing we see is, verse number nine, we see that he... He tells us, like, listen, calm down. Calm down. See, Joshua 1, have, Joshua 1, I have I not commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not, what? Afraid. Neither be thou dismayed. We'll stop there for now. We'll go on in a second, okay? Listen, one of the things with having young children is every once in a while they get afraid and they get scared. This happened today. My son, Charlie, is very much not a fan of storms. And so my wife made um, the mistake of saying that there was going to be a bad storm. And my son started to really freak out. 
and in those times, I can look at him and say, be calm, be calm, be calm, be calm, be calm. That's not going to do anything. The reason is because in this, as a four-year-old, it's so weird saying that, as a four-year-old, the situation of a bad storm, is, it's more than he can handle. He can't handle it. He doesn't know how to handle it. And he, 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 starts, he starts crying and, and screaming, and, and he doesn't know what to do. And he's scared. When you look at this position that Joshua's in, don't you think it might be a little bit more than he can handle too? <laughs> Leading millions of complainers, millions of people who have proven their knack for disobedience, leading them to do what God says. I'm getting anxious just thinking about him having to do that. Listen, can I say that God will place you right in the middle of situations that are a little more than you can handle. That might not sound like a good thing. And without God, it's not. Well, listen, the Bible says in 1 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God said to Joshua, listen, don't be afraid. Be calm. But it wasn't an empty saying He said, listen, don't be afraid, be calm, because, what? He says, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Today, literally, when when my wife told Charlie that there was a bad storm coming, and Charlie was freaking out, I, I took him in my arms, I got him on my lap and said, Charlie, listen, There may be a bad storm coming, but I'm here. Daddy's here. And Charlie, you're okay. And I looked at him and said, do you know who else is here? God is here. And do you remember that God is more powerful than daddy? And you know what he did? He stopped crying. And he wiped the tears from his eyes. And he gave me a hug. He didn't have to be afraid anymore. Not because the situation was any less scary for him as far as the situation. No. The the change, there's nothing as far as the situation that changed. It was his realization that his daddy was with him. And to be honest, that God was with him. And it doesn't matter what situation you are in, God is with you. You might think to yourself, well, listen, the situation I'm in here, listen, I know it's not because I'm in God's will, it's because I'm not I'm not in God's will, and so that's the reason I'm in this situation. Can I just be honest? Turn to God now. And you know what the Bible says? God will be with you. And the cool thing is, is, and this wasn't attended, but God says that he works, what, all things together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Do you know that also means that God uses our disobedience, God uses our sin, and he actually can use those for our good. But listen, we have to trust him. We have to follow him. We have to be obedient to him. 
but he'll give you the strength to do it. Why? Because he's right here with you. Hebrews 13, 5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be with content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never what? Leave thee nor forsake thee. We could go around here and ask, what's the most valuable thing you have? And if anyone's, listen, said anything of material value, you'd be wrong. Because the most valuable thing we have is a father in heaven who loves us and cares for us. And that far surpasses anything we have on this earth or might have or could have. We serve a good God. And our good God wants us to have strength and courage. And he will allow us and he will grow us and he will build us into that person who does have strength in this courage. And listen, Joshua chapter 1, we see Joshua be told, listen, this is what you're going to do. Joshua chapter 4, verse number 15, we see a Joshua that did it. Joshua 24, 15, Joshua is coming to the end of his life and it says, and he says, and it seemed... If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, what? We will serve the Lord. 16 verses later in verse number 31, it says, And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, which, he, which had known all the works of the Lord that he had done in Israel. See how God used the strength and courage that he gave to Joshua to affect not just his own generation, but the generation after that one. Church, we need more strength. We need more courage. We need more men to stand up. To stand up and fight. Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain was a professor, professor at Budwin College when the Civil War broke out. In 1862, Chamberlain accepted a commission in the 20th Maine Volunteer Infantry Regiment of the Union Army. After only a little over a year in the war, he climbed to the rank of colonel. On July 2nd, 1863 at Gettysburg, Chamberlain and his regiment were stationed at the extreme left flank of the Union forces on a hill called Little Round Top. When the Confederate attack came, they were, they were all that was left between the Union army and disaster. If they gave way, the entire army could be flanked. They repulsed wave after wave of attacks and outnumbered running low until outnumbered running low on ammunition with, and with no reinforcements to be had, Chamberlain made the fateful decision. He ordered his men to fix bayonets and charge the Confederates in a great right wheel movement, catching them completely off guard and defeating them completely. Eighty men captured 4,000 Confederates in about five minutes. Most importantly, the line held. Had it broken the battle and perhaps even the war could have been lost. As Mark Batterstein writes, one man's courage saved the day, saved the war, and saved the Union. Many years later, reflecting on the events, Chamberlain reflected, I had deep within me the inability to do nothing. I knew I may die, but I also knew that I would not die with a bullet in my back. 
Church, we are fighting a war that is much greater than the civil war of the United States of America. We are fighting a war that's for the souls of every man and woman on the face of this planet. And we, like Chamberlain, should have the mindset that we have to move forward because we have the inability to do nothing. Church, we have a job to do. And praise the Lord that God has given us in his word the directions on how to do it. And so, church, be strong. Be strong and very courageous. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much, Lord, for your word and your your guidance, your wisdom in it. Lord, we thank you for allowing us to, to see, Lord, who you are.